He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here, and we continue our LISC series, the Long Island Serial Killing series. And I am here today with someone who actually got me started thinking about everything that's going on here. And uh, he and his partner, Rachel Mills, put together The Killing Season and just an unbelievable documentary series on uh, not only the uh, the Long Island serial killing, but some other things as well. Just a wonderful, masterful job. Josh Zeman is our very special guest. Hey, Josh, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Well, listen, thrilled to have you. It was a it was a great piece of work. I imagine um, so many hours went into that, and I, I would have to imagine the selection process, things that you kept out, um, was a challenge as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can see some of the things that didn't make it into the series on... Um, uh, you could go onto Amy's website and see some of the uh, additional content, but yeah, you know, there's definitely something that you could put in. Did you go in with a different mindset than you ended up? I mean, obviously, you got, uh, you, you know, you came to, um, you know, certain conclusions without actually coming to a uh, a conclusion. But uh, before you started, did you have a different mindset on the whole situation? That's a good question. Um, You know, we went in with the mindset asking why wasn't this case solved? And, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why. Uh, The first is, of course, that uh, serial murder cases are so unbelievably hard to solve. Um, But we knew that there were some other issues as well. Uh, I guess we didn't know, and maybe I was being naive, but I, I just didn't know the level to which Burke this being a uh, uh, former police chief, uh, had, a, I use the word obstructed, you know, uh, the case in terms of not allowing the FBI to come in and do its job um, and kind of like keeping them out of the picture. So I was, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. You know, I, I tend to believe that a lot of times uh, you're dealing more with incompetence. But in this case, uh, you know, there was a direct... Uh, attempt not to bring in the FBI, not because I personally, I don't believe he is uh, related to any of the killings in any way, shape or form, like some people have alleged. It was just more, you know, he was trying to cover up from some of his other past deeds. But yeah, I just didn't know how much they had gone in and kind of, uh, you know, not not let the public know or, or not go in and kind of really investigated that case. It's quite tragic. Yeah, there's there's no question about it. And you're talking to someone who's, you know, I'm elected to a political office in New York State and uh, a uh, in the county of Suffolk. And all of these guys, including Burke, were, were people that I knew. Um, but, you know, political loyalty kind of goes out the window when there's 15 women dead on the side of the, uh, the side of the beach. And something obviously is uh, is is not being done. And again, I don't nece- I agree with you. I don't I don't necessarily think Burke has anything to do with the the killings but the investigation process was uh was flawed and it's clearly and i'm not a conspiracy theorist i've never i've never thought like this in my life but after your your series i started asking around and i started 
uh, sniffing around and I started doing, you know, interviews on it. And trust me, uh, this is politically connected. Whoever Lisk is and whatever Lisk uh, is uh, is involved in, uh, they've got some political connections. Would you agree with that? Um, I can't really say so. You know, in my eyes, again, uh, I wouldn't think that it's that Lisk is politically connected. I, I would think politics and law enforcement go hand in hand in Suffolk County. So anything that's related to law enforcement or a big investigation is going to be politicized, unfortunately. Um, I guess, you know, I might be naive and to think that, all right, everybody, politics are off the table when it comes to so many uh, dead individuals, you know. Um, but unfortunately, that just wasn't the case, you know. And unfortunately, it, it's sad um, that, that, you know, we we pay to protect and serve, not to protect and serve, you know, with with a side of loyalty, you know. And so, you know, again, it's it's just very unfortunate um, that that's the case. Uh, let me remind folks if they're just tuning in or turning on their radios, Josh Zeman, uh, film producer. Josh Zeman is our very special guest, and he is the latest addition to our Lisk series, the Long Island serial killing. Series and uh, we're here every week doing a little something on it. Thrilled to have Josh. He is the guy who uh, I, I think rejuvenated the interest in this situation. That's uh, that's not being covered properly, and certainly uh, those would argue that it wasn't being investigated properly. But the killing season is the name of the show. It's a series that Josh produced with with Rachel Mills. And it's absolutely gripping and and chilling. And the uh, uh, you know one of the one of the parts in there that uh, you know it, it would it would be comical if it wasn't so tragic. What's going on was was Peter Hackett and his yeah. I, I don't know what you call it a, a fake heart attack or a fake uh, f- a defibrillation <laughs> attack. I mean, what was your, what was your take on that? I mean, what what can you bring from that? You know, that's a real hard one because, you know, I don't think he's involved. Um, but I think, you know, there are people out there who like to ingratiate themselves in drama. And I think that's what you have. Uh, and unfortunately, we've met a lot of those people in this case. You know, it's <laughs> like it or not, you know, cases that are so big, that are so compelling, tend to bring out um, the crazies, for lack of a better word. Um, and uh, this case definitely does that. Um, but, you know, it, 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 that's how it is in a lot of investigations. And I do have a newfound respect for law enforcement when it comes to managing the kind of uh, blowback and the flack in these cases. You know, that's one thing that we've kind of come to realize is that, and I don't think the public really appreciates it, when you have a serial killer case, um, when especially involving sex workers, where it's somewhat salacious, the media and uh, the people just descend upon the case, and they definitely make it incredibly hard uh, for the law enforcement to kind of weed out the chase, uh, you know, and, and to find out what's really right and what's really wrong. So that, that was a big eye-opener. And that's also kind of what drew us into the case. You know, it's it's this, unfortunately, this vicious cycle. When, you know, what happened early in the uh, LISC investigation was there was politics between the um, 
police chief and the district attorney. Uh, and as a result, the law enforcement decided to kind of shut down the lines of communication. Well, you can't really shut down the lines of communication with the public when you have an active serial killer. That's just, I don't think that's the right thing to do. Um, and even if you don't have any, um, you know, new information, I still think you have to keep those lines of communication open. But because that they were shut down, I think that led to a lot of speculation. And then we have this new wrinkle called the Internet, which allows people yeah. to, you know, just, you know, go and, and, and make accusations and make false claims. You know, we're seeing, you know, the extent of false claims today. Uh, with regards to some other conspiracies like Pizzagate and things like that. So as a result, um, it just it, it's, it becomes a monster. It becomes a self-fulfilling monster of innuendo and rumors, and it makes it very difficult for the police to do their jobs. Yeah, no question. I mean, I'm I am pro cop. Uh, you know, every every step of the way. But in this particular case. Uh, things got interesting. I should point out, too, who Peter Hackett is to the audience who may not know. Uh, Peter Hackett was the the former Suffolk County medical examiner, and he lives on Oak Beach. And uh, there's a whole, you know, everyone should kind of get into, um, you know, Google and try to try to weed through the, the nonsense and get to the, the facts uh, of who he is and, and what he's done and what his role is. Uh, again, I, I kind of agree with you, too. I don't know that Hackett had anything um, but uh, ancillary uh, things to do with uh, with this particular case. Uh, uh, let me remind folks once again, Josh Zeman is the voice you're hearing, and he's the, the producer, the film producer of The Killing Season. And you can see that uh, still what, on Netflix or Amazon? Where, where is it now, Josh? Amazon. Yeah, you, can, you can see it on Amazon. Amazon. Frank McKay here with Josh Zeman. And we're talking about Lisk. We're talking about the Long Island serial killing and uh, other things that he covered in uh, in his great uh, film documentary series, The Killing Season. Uh, we mentioned before uh, Burke and, and also the relationship between the DA and the police commissioner. You, you're talking about Dormer, the first police commissioner that was yeah. there for the original, um, the original investigation. He and a guy named Dominic Verone uh, were in charge of the investigation. Verone was the, the chief detective investigator and uh, and Dormer was the police commissioner and that the thing that I find uh, just uh, reprehensible about their leaving is that when they left on whatever it was December uh, 30 uh, 31st right before uh, Jimmy Burke who was appointed by County Executive Steve Ballone um, right before they uh, they left they had prepared. They told me both, I don't know, privately or on, on the record. Uh, I think uh, Dormer said that he had prepared pretty hard to, to be debriefed. And, you know, in a debriefing, you know, you're, you know, you're, you want to be accurate and make sure you're giving the next guy uh, everything that you're supposed to be giving them. And they didn't ask either one of them a single question. Not a single question. And, and I, I keep saying, look, I, I don't care if you have so little respect for the former police commissioner. I, I, I don't care if it's uh, Commissioner Mo, Larry and Curley and they have wrenches yeah. hanging from their noses. You want to know what they know or you want to ask them some questions. They simply ask them not a single question. And that's uh, Burke, Chief Burke, when he came in and, and Commissioner Weber when they came in. I, I, I just found that bizarre. Your take on that? I, 
I mean, I agree with you. I mean, even if you have political issues, you know, you want to do what's best for the case. And even if, you know, it's even if it's what they don't say, it's what they did. They didn't do. You know what I'm saying? So, so unfortunately, uh, you know, you're seeing how these these investigations got bungled back then. Uh, but and and unfortunately, you know, precious time was lost. You know, but look. You, on the other hand, as, as I said before, um, remember when these bodies were first found, the media descended upon Dilgo Beach and ended up taking a lot of time and effort away from the investigation. On top of that, um, you know, these cases are extremely hard to solve. Uh, the thing about sex workers is that, um, and this is no slight against sex workers, of course. their job is to evade law enforcement. So not only do you have to solve a murder, but you have to solve a murder of somebody who's trying to evade law enforcement. So that makes it unbelievably even more difficult to do. But, uh, you know, it's just a shame. Uh, And then, of course, we have this other wrinkle of Shannon Gilbert, which to me is either connected or the most unbelievable coincidence in all of true crime, and and trust me, I'm a true crime aficionado, Uh, it's it's just a crazy wrinkle in this case. Um, But I think the other side of it is when you have uh, some, unfortunately, let's call them bad apples in a police department, you know, that are known for um, their sexual behavior, uh, their involvement with sex workers, you know, we, we know this is not allegation, this is fact. We know that Burke was involved uh, with sex workers. Um, when that happens, I don't see how you could ever um, think that this person, this individual, would be uh, the appropriate person to cover this investigation. Knowing that he had past um bad acts with sex workers, why would you ever think that this would be the right thing to do? Yeah, well, you can't, I can't even think of an argument against, and uh, yeah, you're not, you're not kidding. This is the most bizarre set of circumstances uh, surrounding anything that I've, that, that I've ever read about, and I, I'm not the crime aficionado that you are. I mean, you, you certainly are, but this is, this is in my own backyard. It's uh, it's something I know. It's in my ballywick. Uh, you know, politics and yeah. law enforcement is uh, is something that we're around. And by the way, I don't necessarily disconnect politics and law enforcement, uh, especially in this particular case. When you mention Burke, I mean, he's a very political guy, very close to, you know, the county executive that appointed him and, and very close to uh, Tom Spoda, the DA. And I have sure. relationships with all three of them. I've had great relationships with all three of them. So it's not like I have an axe to grind. It's just that there's so much here. Uh, let me chime in on something that you, you mentioned earlier. And and again, I'm in agreement with just about everything you've said here and uh, how difficult it is for law enforcement to get to a a, a crime like this and why so many serial killings uh, go un, unsolved. And even now when, you know, new police commissioner Tim Seney say, we're going to invite the feds back in. 
Well, you know, listen, congratulations, because the feds are on ISIS and they're on a million other things. And at this point, it's, you know, it's what, seven years later or whatever. There's not much that that the feds can particularly do unless there's new information there. And it's almost unfair to say to the uh, feds, "Okay, now we want you to come in. Now we want you to come (laughs) in and invest. You know, it's it's ridiculous. So, I mean, it's it's a you know, to me, it's a it's a very shallow offer. Well, we're gonna, we want you to come in now. The time that we needed the, the feds to be there and to concentrate was when it was fresh and when they were right there. And, and, and you're correct. I mean, if, uh, if Jimmy Burke had uh, a past, you know, you're talking probably about Lorita La- Rickenbacker and some, some other people yeah, that, were, uh, that are well-documented, de- um, that there's no way that, that Jimmy Burke should have been anywhere near uh, an investigation on, uh, on Gilgo when there were sex workers involved. Uh, that being said, uh, is did some of your research uncover you know the sex parties that happen on on Oak Beach and Gilgo and uh, did you mm-hmm. come across a lot of that or did you was it just innuendo or did you come across any facts on that? I, you know it's crazy. There were so many allegations of these quote unquote sex parties that happen at Oak Beach. You know, in Oak Beach, anybody who knows does a history. It has a history of somewhat illicit sex activity. You know, it was a party place. But, you know, I I hear these stories. I don't quite believe them. You know, this is not eyes wide shut. You know, um, you know, since it's come out, there's been individuals who have made allegations that there were quote unquote sex parties, you know, uh, you know, do I believe those individuals? You know, I I kind of do, but then again, there's no proof, so I can't really say publicly, you know, that I that I 100% believe it. But you know, I try and just stick with the facts in this case, and the facts speak loud enough to overcome the allegation. Um, some one of the I'm, I'm not going to name any names, but some there's obviously a lot of axe to grinds in Revel in, in in Oak Beach. You know, it's like here's the example in the um, out. Albert DeSalvo, which is the Boston Strangler case, yep. you know, they, they asked the public for information and nine out of 10 women came forward and said, it's my, it's my husband. And <laughs> nine out of those 10 husbands were cheating husbands. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right. Right. You know, and, and in Oak Beach, you know, you had fights over, I mean, and this is the, this is the sad part about it because we're trying to find out who killed who. And instead people are bringing in, um, you know, personal things, you know, vindictive behavior and saying, oh, I believe it's this person. And, you know, I would, I always say, uh, watch the person who screams the loudest because they've got, you know, the skeletons to hide. Uh, uh, a little bit of Shakespeare doth protest yeah. too much. Um, and, and I think we, we, we're seeing that. Um, it's, it's just an unbelievable case. And, and the other interesting thing is that, you know, the public has this idea that because uh, many of these sex workers were solicited o- using uh, Backpage at the Craigslist that somehow it's very easily traceable. And in fact, that's not the case. Uh, it's actually even more uh, difficult to trace because it's somewhat anonymous. You know, the Internet, we think everybody's tracking our our information, uh, you know, 24-7, feeding it into supercomputers, and that's just not the case. Uh, so, um, you know... I feel bad for Timmy. Uh, he has inherited uh, a tainted legacy with regards to this case, and I feel that he's a very genuine 
uh, individual, compassionate, but I also see that he, um, unfortunately, you know, inherited uh, something pretty, you know, unsolvable in some respects. The one gripe that I do have is, um, I don't know if you're uh, familiar, but we've since theoretically, quote unquote, uh, you know, uncovered a new victim, and that's Peaches. Yeah. Uh, yes. Peaches with the tattoo. With the torso. Right. Peaches with the torso found in Hempstead Park in 1997. Um, now, if you're familiar with the Gilgo Beach case, some of the victims were uh, had been um, torsos as well, and that made us believe that somehow it was connected, although we could never do a physical connection, and although the police could not admit to a connection. Um, subsequently, in speaking to the Nassau County Medical Examiner's Office and uh, requesting uh, information about peaches, and it has since become law to Governor Cuomo's credit that information needs to be provided. Uh, it has now been uh, revealed that peaches was, in fact, uh, a victim. Um, why they would not make this information public, I guess because they didn't want to scare the public um, with, you know, rehashing the fact that this guy has not been solved, uh, this guy has not been caught. But we now know that Peaches uh, is a victim too. So now we can deduce from that that Fire Island Jane Doe found in 1996 on Fire Island, two severed legs, was a victim. Um, Peaches found in 97 was a victim. Then we have um, Jessica Taylor and Jane Doe number six found both in uh, uh, Manorville and uh, along Gilgo Beach for victims in 2000 and two, uh, 2000, 2003. So it starts to build a better forensic profile. Hey. My gripe was why why was Peaches not included as a victim and why was that information not made public? Why do we have to kind of squirrel that out and, and find that out? Yeah, that's that's the question. Uh, Josh, we're coming up on a quick commercial break. Do we have you for another quick segment? Yes, you do. Frank McKay here with film producer Josh Zeman, and he is uh, he is the producer along with uh, Rachel Mills of The Great Killing Season. Which is uh, which is on the Long Island serial killing and more than that. So you're listening to part of our Lisk series. We'll be back right after this. This is Frank McKay back with Josh Zeman right after this. Hey, we'll jump right back in. I just needed the break at 22 there. Um, you ready? This is great. Yep. Yep. I'd like to welcome everyone back to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, film producer Josh Zeman is our very special guest, and you are listening to our weekly Lisk series, and the Long Island serial killing is what our our focus is, and Josh uh, knows quite a bit about it. It's it's his series, The Killing Season, that uh, that got me thinking about this once again and, and how many unanswered questions there are, and it was uh, it, it can be seen on Amazon, and please get through it and watch every single episode you can and i'm going to ask josh about a, a second season if one's coming josh zeman welcome thank you sir uh, josh well let's start off with that uh, do you have another you have another season coming up is it is it shot already or are you waiting um waiting to hear what's the, what's the status uh we are waiting to hear um but we do uh we have something very interesting uh planned um 
don't know if it'll be on A&E or some other network we'll be seeing, but uh, uh, there's some interesting things that came out in the first season working uh, with some of these data journalists that we were able to then action um, some pretty unbelievable information for, for the second season. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, listen, um, great job on the first. Uh, right before the break, we were talking about peaches, and uh, yeah. pe- peaches is uh, is unfortunately a, t- a torso and uh, was killed, yep. and we we all believe uh, as part of this uh, the serial killer, and yep. uh, was uh, was uncovered, uh, was covered, um, uh, you know, not not too long ago, but you know, for some reason we weren't uh, we weren't um, told that uh, that this had anything to do with it, and I I think that's a little disturbing, even if they are protecting the the public from panic. I I live here, and I don't see the panic happening. If uh, if they were to say that uh, that Peaches uh, was part of the serial kill, I don't, you know one more. I mean, what is it? Uh, what does it matter if there's ten more? I, I, people aren't panicking over this. Yeah, you know, this is something that this is an interesting thing that we kind of um, I don't want to say take issue with, but we discuss with law enforcement a lot, which is the idea of hold back, which is the idea that you know you don't want to say everything about a case because you know as we said before, there's a lot of Christian people who will admit to doing the killings when, believe it or not, they didn't do it. Um, attention seekers. And so, you know, I believe that maybe the logic was that they didn't want to make this public uh, because they were using that in, in some kind of way. And maybe there is a very logical reason. But at the same time, you, you know, you have a case that received a lot of negative attention. I would think that you have to come completely clean from now on to gain back the public's trust. So the fact that they didn't, you know, is a little bit disturbing. You know, it's, it's you know, I don't know how they reconcile with that decision. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, a misstep. In my mind, it's a, it's certainly a misstep. Uh, you mentioned people uh, that would would falsely admit to being the killer. Uh, do we have that in this case? Is there anything that you know of? Is there anybody no. that you know of? No, no. Unfortunately, I think what we have in this case is a lot of people um, pointing fingers at people um, and kind of unfortunately taking away. That that that's been my big issue with this case. My big issue with the case is that is that we have too many you know, let's call them armchair detectives, kind of sniping at each other and blaming other people and, and, and blaming uh, the wrong people. And instead, if we had everybody really searching, um, I, I think we'd come up with something. But unfortunately, uh, people take ownership, weirdly enough, in these crimes. People um, have access to grind, and unfortunately, it, it, it ends up, really distracting from the uh, the investigation. I'm going to bring up a name that came up early on and and why I dismiss it as, you know, certainly being a solo act if if in fact and the name is Jimmy Bissett and uh, you know I've had people say to me, "Well, it's Jimmy Bissett." And I said, "Well, uh, you know, if it's Jimmy Bissett, why wouldn't Spoda 
uh, posthumously charge, you know, he's dead, right? He committed suicide sometime after after Shannon Gilbert was found. And it was, um, you know, for those who don't know, J- Jimmy Bissett not only owned uh, uh, garden nurseries, uh, but also the aquarium out in Riverhead. And, and he was, uh, you know, he was known to be around prostitutes and everything else. But the the knee-jerk reaction of a lot of people were, were basically saying, and, and on the Internet, uh, Jimmy Bissett. And my take on that is, is if it's Jimmy Bissett, uh, Spoda would would uh, would the, would would put the ghost of Jimmy Bissett on trial. Get five sex workers uh, to uh, to say, yeah, he choked me and whatever, and then just basically, uh, you know, get done with the case if they wanted to cover up. So if it's Jimmy Bissett, I'm not saying it's not, but if it's Jimmy Bissett, to me, it's Jimmy Bissett plus, and maybe you know plus plus, and and to me, and I know you don't necessarily agree, but from where I sit. Uh, that plus plus are, are politically connected people, and that's why we're not uh, getting anywhere, or we didn't get anywhere early on the investigation. But your thought on Jimmy Bissett or Jimmy Bissett alone? Am I right? Spoda would have just, you know, just jammed that right through. Uh, you would think so, I guess. Uh, you would think so in terms of quelling the public, uh, you know, cry for, um, you know, closure. Uh, but, you know, again, it, it, it's really hard to say. It's speculation and allegation at the same time. Um, you know, and that's the power of rumor. You know, that's really one of the lessons to be learned here. If, if the guy didn't do it, oh, my God, why? how is 3,500 to 5,000 people on the Internet saying, oh, I heard he did it, I heard he did it, I heard he did it? You know, uh, yeah. that's unbelievable. Uh, and, uh, you know, you know, you know, I feel bad for any one of us who might be wrongly convicted of a crime, and suddenly there's 8,000 people on the Internet saying that they heard from a friend of a friend that they did it, you know. And, and you know, I look at other things besides crime. I look at urban legends and moral panics and things like that. And, you know, it's just unbelievable the echo chamber of allegation. Um, and, you know, a, an interesting, you know, kind of uh, metaphor is, is look at the Eat on Kate's case. Uh, that just came up. Um, you know, there the New York City police chief did everything he could to try and put this case to rest. Uh, he wanted it. In fact, part of his legacy was to solve this case. And, and there's definitely a lot of speculation about whether that is a um, false confession or not. It, you know, it's very hard to say. Uh, I believe uh, that this is just an allegation. Uh, but then again, um, it's so hard to separate uh, you know, fact from fiction, and um, you know, I just wish maybe law enforcement. You know, it's interesting. Law enforcement came out with their only press release about the case with regards to Jimmy Bissett, saying this individual is not on our radar. We don't believe he did it. Um, yes, Jimmy Bissett is very politically connected, uh, even connected to law enforcement. Um, you know, I don't know, but I guess the point I want to make here is, and, and I am pro law enforcement. Trust me, very much. So. Right, me too. Uh, if we did, if we didn't have law enforcement, you know, we'd be, uh, you know, people would be freaking out in the streets, you know. And you know, you can rail law enforcement all the time, but when you're in trouble, who you go call? Right. You know. And so I, I firmly believe. That. At the same time, I do question the connection between law enforcement and politics and how that, 
you know, it makes two strange bedfellows in this situation. Uh, you know, Suffolk County is one of the only places where you have a, a huge law enforcement super PAC. You know, so it becomes more than just to protect and serve. It does play politics. And, and these politics then come over and they, they unfortunately inform this case. We're all saying it's politically connected. It's a politically connected. I, I wish we didn't have that, you know, relationship so that we, we could take that out of the picture. Yeah. Uh, no, without question, Josh Zeman is our very special guest. Once again, if you're just joining us, Josh Zeman is here and he's a film producer uh, and he just did an extraordinary job along with Rachel Mills on The Killing Season. And you are uh, listening to someone who knows quite a bit about the Long Island serial killing and the investigation and, and sometimes the lack of investigation around it. The Lisk series continues. Frank McKay here with Josh Zeman. Uh, and Josh, I, you must have in your mind a profile of what this individual may or may not be. I, am, I, am I wrong to assume that that all of us, uh, you know, whether it's jumping to conclusions or just kind of gathering evidence, do you have in your mind, uh, not a person, but I won't ask you that, but do you have uh, a, a profile of who you think might have done this? <laughs> That's good. You know, there's, there's two answers to that question. Number one, uh, I believe it's two people. Yep. Me too. Uh, for, uh, for sure, and that's based. Um, uh, you know, I originally got into this case because people were saying two people, and I'm like, I was like, oh, that's ridiculous. That's like some criminal mind episode, you right. know. And, and then actually getting in and looking at it, and looking at the signatures versus the MOs, I was like, okay. Um, you know, looking at the length of time you're talking about, '96 when this would have started. Uh, all the way up to 2004. Uh, you're talking about, uh, you know, torsos versus um, strangulations. Uh, somebody's found decapitated and or dismembered. Is that a, a forensic countermeasure or not? So it's very, very interesting. Um, so I believe it's two people, number one. And, of course, everybody, you know, it's not an exact science. Profiling in a lot of ways is like, you know, the same thing that fortune tellers use. Uh, in terms of, you know, trying to uh, make the, their predictions seem right. At the same time, you know, they are a bunch of very educated individuals. Um, you know, we always say, well, you know, don't don't look at the old loner in the basement um, profile. You know, everybody talks about that as being like, a, uh, you know, the, the standard one and 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 that's what everybody says and don't believe that profile is probably something different but then ironically who fits the best loner in the basement profile is uh long island's other most notorious serial killer, killer joe Rifkin. Right. you know so it, it's 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 hard it's really hard to figure it out and if it was easy uh we would have caught the guy and there'd be a lot more profilers out there <laughs> you, you know yeah. so I, I only say that I think there's two. Um, I only say that I, I believe that uh, if, you know, maybe some guy was dumping body parts in another guy's trophy garden, maybe some guy was dumping body parts uh, in another guy's trophy garden as part of some, uh, you know, kind of um, media attention, or maybe he was trying to blame his other victims on another guy. I, I don't know, but I, what I can tell you is this is one of the most bizarre 
serial murder cases in absolutely the past 20 to 25 years. Um, and it just so happens to be in uh, our backyard. I'm in agreement with you on, on the fact that it's multiple killers, but that's, you know, I, I have so much less experience at this than, than you do and, and so many others. I mean, I got in after I saw the, uh, the killing season, and I, actually, uh, it, I, I also got in after we saw uh, Luann's, uh, quote-unquote Luann's um, press conference, and I got, got to thinking about some things there, and that was uh, uh, Attorney John Ray, had had put up uh, one of his clients uh, in a press conference, and and I found it very intriguing, and I started I started questioning things after that. Josh Zeman is our very special guest, Frank McKay here with the filmmaker of the Killing Season, and it's it's extraordinary. It's from A and E, and if you if you have Amazon, uh, watch it on there. If you don't have Amazon, get it simply to watch this. It's excellent. It is uh, it is good as you can get, and it's uh, it's thorough. Frank McKay with filmmaker Josh Zeman talking about Lisk, Long Island serial killing. Josh, let me ask you about New Bedford. Uh, do you see any <laughs> any connection to Lisk and New Bedford at all? Uh, yeah, the connection that I see is that, unfortunately, there's a lot of bad guys out there killing a lot of uh, marginalized women. Uh, and uh, once again, drugs are, um, you know, at the very heart of it. Um one of the things that I learned uh, in, in doing this show is that uh, these women, these are uh, women who are literally uh, sisters, mothers, daughters. You know, these are not people who you would cast off. These are, these are people who, like, literally you would hang out with. Literally you would see at family parties. Uh, the drugs gets involved, and as a result, they go down the wrong path. And it's, we're not talking about people walking the streets. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about people who are jumping on the internet because it's so easy to go on Backpage and meet somebody at the Holiday Inn. Nobody has to know about it. There's not that much shame involved. And it's 350 bucks an hour, which is a hell of a lot better than working at Dunkin' Donuts. So, yeah. you know, I, I just believe that there's a lot of women around the country um, who are, for whatever reason, deciding to do this? I believe that there is a lot of bad guys out there around the country. There's so. Do I think they're connected? No. Um, let me say one thing. And again, I want to preface this with: I am pro law enforcement. Uh, I, I firmly believe. You know, if I wasn't doing this, I would. You know, love to be a cop. But out of we went, and I think we looked at. Uh, six or seven different communities where there are uh, unsolved serial murder cases uh, involving sex workers. And the one thing that linked five of these places was the fact that each of those departments was under investigation by the Department of Justice. Wow. So the correlation I, was making, I make is, unfortunately, sometimes bad police departments or police departments that are dysfunctional for whatever reason um, that gives these guys with these bad ideas uh, the, the the belief that they can get away with it. And, and that's what we see happening. I don't think that's actually was actually the case with New Bedford, but that was the case where we were looking at Cleveland, um, uh, Albuquerque, 
Yeah, Atlantic City, uh, you know, I have family members come to me today. You know, the, the prosecutor's office is not giving us anything. Please, please get something, you know. And, and, and there's just the idea that, the, you know, that, that this is my information and, and I'm not going to tell you. And, and I think we're in a new age uh, of, of being transparent. And so, uh, you know, the, the conclusion for New Bedford, it's not connected. And unfortunately, there's a lot of bad guys out there doing a lot of different things. And, you know, that's that's leadership from top down when it comes to how we treat uh, women. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's horrible. It's uh, uh, it, it's understandable that uh, that you would ha- people would have questions about law enforcement. But I, I'm with you and I see you as being pro law enforcement as I am. But in this particular case, there's, there's obviously been missteps. And we know, look, there are there are horrible radio show hosts. There are horrible filmmakers <laughs> and there are horrible there's cops. Bad, bad horrible. Right. There are there are horrible cops. And there are horrible priests out there. It doesn't mean everyone is, but we certainly have that. We've got a couple moments left with a great filmmaker, and his name is Josh Zeman. And we're talking about the killing season, and hopefully there'll be a, a part two or a second season, I should say. There's uh, several parts in this, and you could watch it on Amazon. Please check it out. Josh Zeman here with me, Frank McCain. We're talking about Lisk, Long Island serial killing. Uh, Josh, let's talk about, you mentioned the word community a couple of times. Uh, the community here in Oak Beach is, is pretty closed, and there's, if if I if I understand this correctly, there's 72 homes on Oak Beach, and everyone knows everyone. It's um, it, it's a, uh, it, I I think it's a serial killer's paradise. Uh, I hate to say that uh, flippantly, but I mean it's hard to get to. Uh, it's uh, it's quiet. It's private. Uh, but the thing is that everybody knows each other's business, and what I'm finding disturbing. <laughs> What I'm finding really, really disturbing is that I, I think I've spoken to about 20% of the homeowners there or almost 20% of the homeowners, and none of them that I've spoken to yet have been asked anything by law enforcement and war, were asked nothing early on. Now, uh, you know, I know from political knocking around or even fundraising for charities, you know, you can knock on 72 doors in a, in a day. In a weekend, you could you can return back and you can go there. I can't believe that they they didn't or they chose not to ask every single person, every single home, seventy two homes. I mean, how hard can it be? But in all of these years, the, these people weren't questioned. What do you know? Who do you know? What what's going on here? Tell us about some of the parties. Tell us what you hear. Now, I know a lot of people don't want to hear it, and a lot of people talk about. It. You probably spoke to more. Of people on Oak Beach than the police did. A- am I correct in that? I, you know, I, I can't really say. You know, it, it's years after the fact. You know, new people could have moved in. I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, I'm talking right away. I'm talking right as this happened. I, I, again, I'm not sure. I mean, here, here's an interesting thing. Um, you know, Oak Beach is so far removed from mainland that it just makes it very difficult. I mean, they didn't even have a patrol out uh, along um, Ocean Parkway before this ever happened. I mean, Ocean Parkway is one of the most deserted places I've ever seen and a great place for dumping a body. Yeah, no doubt. Whoever knew, whoever knew that, knew that. You know, that is why they say it is somebody local. Um, that, you know, you don't just happen upon... Uh, 
Ocean Parkway. You know Ocean Parkway. Um, does that mean it's somebody from Oak Beach? No, it could be it could be anybody. Um, but uh, you know, at this point, I, I'm not quite sure it really helps to go back in and you know say well, what now, they didn't do. To the, forget it now. Yeah, it's, it's a little late. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, it's a little done deal. So the question is, you know, um, what can we do now? You know, and, and that's it, it's tragic that we have to ask that question. But what what can we do now? Well, let me ask you the question. You're asking yourself. We've got about a minute and a half left with Josh Zeman, uh, a filmmaker of The Killing Season, Frank McKay here with Josh talking about Lisk. Uh, what can we do? You asked the question. Let's, uh, you know, g- give me a- an answer. What what do you think we can do now? What can we do now? That's, uh, that is a good question, and that's something that we've been looking at. Look, uh, chances are, uh, you know, and there's a, you know, do these guys stop? These guys typically stop. They can stop for 20 years. You know, BTK stopped for 20 years. Why? He had a family. Uh, you know, um, Bitroft, you know, stopped uh, because he had a family. So these guys could stop. So there might be a long debt period, but it might happen again. So he's either, you know, something more important has come into his life that he doesn't want to, that he no longer feels the need to satisfy himself in this way. He's found a new meaning in his life. Uh, he's in jail or he's dead. The best thing we can do is to keep using things like CODIS, the DNA system, uh, familial DNA uh, as well. Um, and the best thing we can do is get better data. One shocking fact that I found is that unsolved murders in the United States, no law enforcement agencies, local, are not required to submit their murder data to one centralized database to the, that database being the FBI's uh, Violent Criminal Apprehension Program. To me, it's crazy that it's not mandated. And because it's not mandated, because it's voluntary, you miss a lot of crimes. And so there could be a very similar crime going on right now in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, uh, Fort Lauderdale. I don't know. That could be very similar, and we may not catch it because... Crimes are not mandatory. Are not you know? It's not mandatory that they need to be reported. Excellent. No, just a great job on the series. The series is the killing season, and uh, Josh Zeman is the producer of that wonderful A and E series. And hopefully, we'll get a part two talking about Lisk, the Long Island serial killing. Josh, thank you very much for everything, and and thanks for all the great work. Great. Thank you, sir. And just a reminder that everybody can please see it on Amazon. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's still very current. And uh, and also you can find me on uh, Twitter, uh, at Josh, J-O-S-H-E-Z-E-M-A-N. And you can find uh, information on Facebook. Um, and, uh, you know, if you want to catch the latest on what's going on, we're posting all the time. We have a really great community. Wonderful. Josh Zeman has been our very special guest. Frank McKay here signing off. We will see you next time on Breaking It Down. Thank you, sir. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.